Hey guys, and welcome to our Christmas Sunday here at Northwest Free Methodist Church. I'm really glad that you guys are here. You've chosen to celebrate with us, and I wish that I could be in two places at once. Unfortunately, I can't, and so today I am with my niece and her fiancé, and I'm officiating as they exchange their vows, and as they... Uh, our wed this afternoon at four o'clock. So thanks for allowing me to be gone. I really didn't want to miss because I wanted to be able to continue through our series on a 90 days of transformation, this journey to God changing us. Um, I think this is really important for us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I think it's really important for us at Northwest Free Methodist. So we've been starting to prepare. We've been observing Advent and we've been preparing for Christ's coming, the arrival of Christ as a Christ child, but also the arrival of Christ in our lives in a new way that's going to change us and transform us uh, into uh, people that we want to become, people that God wants us to become. And we've been walking along the way with uh, preparing ourselves by observing some things that are attached to Advent. So we've talked about preparing hope, how we hope that what comes in the future is better than where we are now and certainly better than our past. We've talked about love and how we are needing these relationships, these loving relationships to be a part of our journey, how we need to know there are people around us that love us, and how we need to extend that love to others, and how Christ has loved us, and so it makes it possible. And then last Sunday, we observed joy, and how joy is a strange thing, and it isn't quite what we might think it is at a first glance. It's not happiness. It's not the absence of grief. It's this deep and profound sense that I can have a heart that is glad because God is doing great things in my life and he's doing great things in the lives of people all around us. He's working in our world and that should give us joy. So hope, love, joy, and the fourth candle that was lit this morning as a part of our worship here in our Advent preparation was the candle of peace. And so we come to this point in our preparation where we are seeking and we are cultivating peace. I think it's really important that we understand peace, especially when we're going through the rough and the hard times. In the Old Testament, peace was referred to as shalom, and shalom is a much bigger and broader concept than just the absence of war or the absence of conflict. So we have a tendency to live in this dichotomy of war and peace, and either we're in, in conflict and in battle with each other, or we're at peace with each other. It's either one or the other. Well, in the Hebrew sense, it wasn't one or the other. It was one in the midst of the other. It was peace and provision and contentment and security in the midst of chaos and famine and war that we have this sense that we are okay even when everything around us is not. And that's just a nutshell version of shalom, of what shalom means. So 
As we are moving into the week of Christmas and tomorrow night, we're going to have our Christmas Eve service. So I hope you're here with us for that. Bring your family and celebrate with us. And then on Tuesday, Christmas Day, we're sitting around with family, hopefully celebrating together, opening some gifts and just being with people we love. I hope and I pray that you have a sense of peace, that I'm where I belong. I'm secure. I'm taken care of. God has got his hand on me, and I have peace because of that. On Tuesday morning, chances are, for most of us, it's going to be a good place to be. Most of us are going to be with friends and with family. We're going to be preparing a feast to eat. We're going to be opening gifts and celebrating the abundance of what God has given us and what God has done for us. But for some people, um, this week is going to include some rough places. And peace isn't really meaningful until it's peace in those rough places. You see, there are unexpected pleasures along the journey to transformation. There's just unexpected places of beauty and, and unexpected places where we experience things going incredibly well. And then there's also unexpected demands and unexpected uh, circumstances that come along and things change and it isn't content and it doesn't feel good and sometimes change feels really hard and threatening. If we start with this transformation with God, we often experience that we are gaining some confidence. We're, we're getting a sense in our soul that God is doing great things. And so we get confident and we do relax and we have a sense of initial peace until we hit a really bumpy spot. And then we wonder, did God plan this? Is this part of what God wants to do with me? Or is this something else? Well, in those rough places when the initial confidence wears off, then we see that go away, and then we have to rely on what we really know about God and really find His peace. I want to tell you about two different hiking trails that we did a few years ago, my family and I. We were vacationing up in Colorado, Summit County, Colorado. It's beautiful in the midst of the, uh, of the mountains up there, the Rocky Mountains. And uh, we were staying in a condo, and at the end of the road, up the hill, up the mountain from the condo, there were a couple of hiking trails, and we'd seen signs to them, and we'd heard other friends talk of them. One of them was called the Lily Pad Trail, and the other one's called Buffalo Mountain. So we went up there, and we looked at the trailhead signs, and we noticed that the Lily Pad Trail was about 2.6 miles in and out. You walked in about 1.3, and you walked out about 1.3 miles, and Two and a half miles doesn't seem like very much. And so we decided that we were going to do the lily pad trail that day. And we set off on the trail. And the trail was really well groomed. It was marked. It was, it was fairly clear of rocks. There were a couple of little bridges over mountain streams. But for the most part, it was easy going. And eventually, we reached the end of that trail and and you'll see a picture up here of what that trail kind of looked like it was groomed it was well traveled and it was pretty easy to walk we were winded we were sweating but it felt good at the end of that trail we reached this lily pad pond that was just 
gorgeous. It was beautiful, this, this incredible setting up here in the Rocky Mountains of a pond filled with these lily pads. And you could look up at the mountains and the wonderful pine trees. And we stopped, we took pictures of each other, and we gained our breath and the high altitude and took a drink of water, and then we headed back out. Incidentally, along the way back out, I dropped my glasses out of a cargo pocket on my pants, and I had to go buy new glasses. But the day was wonderful, and the hike was really enriching. It wasn't too taxing, and to be quite honest, um, it was just a, a wonderful, fun outing. Then... We stopped and we looked at the trailhead to Buffalo Mountain Trail, also across the road and going off in another direction. And we decided, with the friends that we were vacationing with, we decided that the next day we would try Buffalo Mountain because we had done so well up to that point. And Buffalo Mountain, we observed at the map at the trailhead, it said it was 5.3 miles in and out. And you'd hiked into the top of Buffalo Mountain with incredible views from the top of the mountain, and then you hiked back out. So we went, and we rested that night, and we talked it over, and we got excited about the chance to go up the mountain in the morning. Well, that was a whole different trail. One of the things that was different, yes, was that it was 5.3 miles instead of 2.6, so you're going a lot farther. But another thing that we encountered that we didn't know anything about was that that trail had an elevation increase of about 3,000 feet. And so you're going to be climbing up. And not only were you going to be climbing up, but you were climbing up into thinner air. And so going up another 3,000 feet from where we were at was going to put us at a very high elevation where the air was really thin. In addition to that, we found out once we were on the trail that the first part of the trail was fairly well identified and groomed, but the farther we got, it was harder to find and identify which way the trail went, and at times the trail got really rough, and along the way, we encountered a boulder field. Here's a picture of one of those boulder fields you go through. And you don't just walk across those boulder fields. You kind of crawl and climb, and you have to be careful because broken ankles and broken arms happen there a lot. But we went on this trail, and we continued on, and we went through some fire breaks. It was, it was beautiful, but it was really taxing, and we were really tired. And finally, we stopped, and we looked at our watches, and we decided that it was taking way more time than we thought. So we turned around, and we went back. And we never did reach the peak of Buffalo Mountain. Later on, as I was uh, thinking this through, I decided I would go and research it a little bit because I do not like to be defeated. I wanted to go back and win. And so I researched, okay, what is actually this trail like and how is it that we kind of got off track or if we didn't get off track that the trail just seemed to disappear. And I read this. This was a quote. I'll put it up on the screen for you. But this was a quote that was on an online forum about Buffalo Mountain. They said, recently ranked hardest hike in Summit County and top five hardest hikes in Colorado. And after hiking just about everything else in the area, I would have to agree. In fact, some went on to say that this was as hard as climbing one of the 14ers, a 14,000-foot peak in Colorado. We had no idea what we were getting into. We were not very well prepared. And when we were at that point where we weren't sure if we were still on the trail or not, we were not at peace either. And it was time for us to turn around and go back, and we gave up on where we wanted to go. Well, 
being a little bit tired and a little bit disoriented uh, led us to that place. And I have to tell you that in life, when we get tired and a little bit disoriented, it robs us of our peace and it puts us into places of anxiety and fear where we don't really belong. So as you journey with Christ in this 90 days of transformation, you may be at that place where you go, I'm not quite sure where I'm at. I'm not quite sure where to go from here. And I'm really worn out. I'm really tired. Can you imagine with Mary and Joseph as they traveled and they journeyed down to Bethlehem? Certainly Joseph knew where he was going or could ask for directions along the way. But can you imagine Mary who is just about to go into childbirth and having to ask Joseph, are we there yet? And are we going the right way? Will there be a place for us to sleep? And I think my water broke. I'm sure there wasn't an incredible amount of peace in her heart at that moment, except for the fact that God had told her, you're carrying the Son of God. Walking with Christ is inspiring, and it instills confidence in us. It builds our confidence because we have a sense that we can do this, and it's okay, and it's better than the way we were doing our life before. But eventually, walking with Christ, we encounter those rough places, and we're a little bit disoriented, and we've been taxed, and we've worked hard, and we've served with diligence, and it robs us of our peace. You see, when we walk with God, eventually, God wants to deal with our attitudes, He wants to deal with our habits and our sin. And some of this takes time and our intention. It certainly takes grace and humility to walk through those things. But those are the rough places when God wants to work on my attitude and I find out the way I'm treating people around me is not the best. When it's the habits that I have cultivated that seem to make me comfortable but don't help my life a whole lot when it's the sin that I've accepted and thought, well, maybe the Lord will overlook it, and I come to find out that no, he doesn't. Then I'm a little bit disoriented, and things are a little more taxing, and I wonder if this spiritual life is for me. Well, the psalmist has a few things to say about that, and I would like to read from Psalm 25 for you to guide us through this and how we have peace. Psalm 25, 4 through 10. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love. For you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. All who keep his commandment, his covenant, and obey his demands. I think King David knew a few things about walking and hiking and journeying and even some things about being lost. And so my story about 
getting onto a hiking trail that wasn't well uh, marked and I was ill prepared for is probably one that David would have identified with that at some point in his life he would have looked back and thought he was lost or defeated or didn't know how he was going to go ahead and knew what it was like when there wasn't much peace there. But let me remind you a few things about the journey, about the journey of transformation, about the journey from being the way we were to the way God wants. I'm reminded that the destination is not the only objective. Sometimes we try to make the destination the only thing. If only we can get there, uh, that's what's important. For Mary and Joseph, the destination was Bethlehem, but that wasn't the objective. The objective was this Christ child. And so for some of us, the destination might seem really important, but what's actually of greater importance is the experience and the process and how we are transformed along the journey. You see, experience and process um, is also really important. It's not just where we're headed, but what's going to happen to us along the way and how are we going to change because we've been on this journey. Sometimes there's beauty and travel along is easy in life. Sometimes we encounter things that are wonderful, happy surprises because they come to us and we see that we didn't expect this kind of blessing and we don't quite know what to do with it, but it's good and we give God credit. But eventually we get into the rough places where direction, destination, strength, and preparation are critical. We need to know where we're headed, which direction we're going, why we're doing that, that we have enough resources to carry us there, and that we have made the right kind of preparation to be on this kind of a path. Eventually, when we walk with God, we run out of all those things. God doesn't always reveal that many steps in advance to us. God doesn't always provide us with what we think we need. He only provides us with what we actually need. What we learn and develop along the way on the journey is going to make a significant difference to us. And so how we learn along the path has a lot to do with how far we'll go. Just like who we have along the journey with us. And so I would just suggest to you that to experience peace in those rough places means that we need to be certain that we're actually following God. As we read this passage of Scripture, we were reminded that God is the one who orders paths in the best ways. He's the one who guides us in the ways that we should go that lead us not into temptation, that don't take us into places where we don't belong, that don't take us where we can't handle it. Mary and Joseph journeyed to Bethlehem, and I am sure that they didn't always feel 
at peace along that journey. They were forced into the journey by a Roman governor who wasn't particularly liked. They were out of their familiar settings and they were away from friends and family that they would ordinarily have been able to rely on. In addition to that, childbirth is never easy under the best of circumstances. God was leading and preparing and shaping their journey with their son. And I'm sure that there were times when they thought, we've just got to get the son of God into the world. We just need to give birth and it's God and he can take care of himself and come to find out that he's just like every other baby who needs diapers changed and he needed burped and he needs to grow and learn and he needs to be loved and cared for. And so it wasn't just the destination, but it was also what would become of Mary and Joseph on the journey. And how would the journey reveal God to everybody else around? And in the midst of that, to have peace just seems preposterous. I have to tell you that when God is our guide, when he's the one that provides us with direction and encouragement on our journey, things change significantly. Let me remind you of verse 8 that we just read here in Psalm 25. I have to go back and find it, but it's right up there on the screen for you. Verse 8 tells us, The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. When God is our guide, we can count on several things happening to us. We are told certain things about God and the way he guides people. Even people who have wandered into places they don't belong, who have walked into things that do not please him. Even when we've gone astray, he shows us the right path. When God is our guide, here are some things we can count on. One, he is never surprised by our circumstances or the reality that we face. It's not as though God goes, oh, I wasn't really prepared for this to happen. God is prepared. He knows there are no surprises on the journey for him. Which leads us to the next one. Number two, God is never unprepared. It's not as though God says, well, I wish I brought this along. That would have been a handy thing to have. No, God has all of his resources always available. He is completely prepared for where you are at in your journey. He knows exactly how to get through rough places. Number three, God doesn't react. He initiates. Since God is never surprised, he's not reacting to things, but he initiates things he may respond, but he doesn't react. And we tend to react and go, oh my goodness, I didn't expect this and I don't think I can handle this and what in the world am I going to do? That is never what we hear from the God. Number four, and we see it right in this passage in verse eight, the Lord is good. He is always good. And so there's never a problem with us having to go, I wonder if God is going to do something good here or something bad. We only interpret it as bad because it doesn't turn out the way we think it should. 
Let's not make that mistake with God. Number five, he's never lost and he's never mistaken. Some of us are lost and we don't like to admit it. It's embarrassing. Some of us are lost and we admit it and we've just made mistakes and we can't figure it out and we just seem confused by our own actions. God is never lost or mistaken. He always knows the way. He always shines light. The next one, number six, his correction is always beneficial. Don't like the word correction. It tends to feel like punishment. When someone says, oh, that was wrong. You shouldn't be going that way and doing those things. It sounds like judgment. It sounds like condescension to us. Somebody coming down on us. God's correction is always good because it always takes us from something harmful to something healthy. And then the last point, his direction is always the best way. You never have to wonder if the way God leads us is going to be for the best. It may not be comfortable. It may not feel good. It may not be that enjoyable, but it will be the best. And so I just want to remind you of those things as the psalmist talks about these pathways that God will lead us in. Those are some things we can count on. So you can be at peace, but you need a reminder. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you something that will be a reminder of your peace. In a sense, it's kind of a touchstone. It's just a simple thing to hold on to that you can remember at times. God is good. He is with me. When I obey and follow him, it's always the best. A touchstone is just something like you hold on to that you touch from time to time that provokes your memory and reminds you of what you need to know. And so here's the touchstone for you. Jeremiah is going to help me. I have asked him to help me to do this with you guys this morning. Jeremiah has coins. There's enough coins that everybody can have one. So don't worry and say, well, let the kids have one first. And if there's some left over, there's plenty. And if you would like one, I would like to give you a coin that perhaps over the next couple of months as we continue this journey into transformation, when we get into rough places and we go, God, I don't know if I can deal with this. You have that coin to at least hold on to. Put it in your pocket with your change. It's going to be bigger than a quarter. So you'll be able to feel in there and it doesn't have the weight of a quarter. It's just a simple thing without any special powers to it, except it's a reminder. It's something you can feel in your hand to remind you God and his peace are mine because he knows how to lead us on a journey. It's intended just to keep you aware that God is the best guide of all to give us peace when we go through those rough places. So this week, I pray for your peace. I pray that your celebrations with your family and your friends are celebrations that put a smile on your face and lift your heart out of dark places. But when we find ourselves in those dark places, hold on to something. Hold on to something that is going to bring you peace in knowing that God is leading you. All you have to do is listen and follow. Let me pray with you. As the band comes back up here onto the platform and uh, leads you in our sending song before you go out. Lord, help us to find peace in you. God, I pray that you would 
Help us to be reminded that your directing and the ways that you want us to go are always the best. Lord, when things hurt, remind us that it's our doing that led to that hurt. It's our fallenness that leads to that hurt. For some of us, Lord, peace is a hard thing to find right now in our lives. There's just too much chaos and there's just way too many things that are outside of anything we can control or even feel like we can influence. And so, God, we pray that you would bring peace into our hearts. And just as those shepherds out on the hillside heard the words of your messengers, your angels saying, glory to God in the highest, which seems natural and seems like it's appropriate. And then following up that up with, and peace to people who have his favor. Lord, bring peace to us, knowing that when we obey, when we respond, when we follow you, we inherit your peace. Thank you, Jesus. Give us a blessed day and bring us back together here, Lord, on Christmas Eve to celebrate together that the Christ child is come in your name and for your sake. Amen.